The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, the OG Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He's Levin Black. Levin, I'm just still luxuriating in the glow, the afterglow of the Nick Bosa contract extension. I'm on to week one. <laughs> Damn, that was fast. <laughs> well, I expected him to sign like, all right, you got paid. Cool. Let's move on. I'm ready for games. Like we got the NFL starting tonight. I'm ready for football to be real for the first time in like eight months. <laughs> yeah, baby. Let's go. I was so freaking excited yesterday when the news came down because it's all on Brock now, basically. Like they have put Brock Purdy in a great position to succeed. I want to dive into that in a second. But first, I want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel huge huge milestone for us yesterday 11 5000 subscribers that is a massive deal considering we really did not get rolling with this thing until january till the playoffs last season right you think this guy is uh one of them john uh coster rob's the worst just here to say that you think he's a subscriber sounds like it i mean you <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that i got on the show you know yeah when you see you. a great comment you got to get it up there I mean, you just just a jerk, really. But I just wanted to get that rolling. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody. We really appreciate it. It's a massive amount of support, and uh, we're grateful for it, and we wanted to acknowledge it. And it was mostly due to my hard work and nothing to do with Levin. I would agree. I would agree with the first part. It's mostly due to your hard work. Well, I played a small part. No, I wouldn't say that, but thank you, everybody. 5,000. Hopefully we get to, you know, many, many more as the year goes on, but appreciate that. It's not lost on me that you give us any part of your day. All right. Brock Purdy, Levin Black. I didn't get your thoughts on the Bosa signing, I guess, actually. So we should start there because you were working yesterday when the news came down. Give us your thoughts. It's, I mean, I'm not surprised by it. It's a little higher than I predicted, but I thought that's because the uh, the thing that Bosa wanted was to just be the top paid. And I thought, all right, we're getting close to the season. 
Mm -hmm. If the Niners come and make him the top at everything, he'll go ahead and sign. Now, I'm sure the Niners, you know, 170 wasn't the first time they've offered uh, him above Aaron Donald in terms of you right. know average annual value. So apparently, Boza, you can assume, was wanting more than this, you know, and the Niners had to come up even more from just barely beating Donald. Donald, you know, that was 31.67 is what Donald got, and this is 34. So were the Niners sitting at 32 for the last week, and Boza was sitting at 35, and they ended up coming to an agreement at 34? I would say that's the logical thing you could assume, in which case I would argue the holdout is mostly on Bosa because they were offering you record contract above everybody. But the thing is, he signed, he's ready, he's now in town, he got in late last night, you posted that video, so we're good to go. Like, there's no restrictions. I mean, there was lots of good news yesterday because you have the Jake Moody news, which I know you touched on yesterday during the Boza thing. But we also have the Ray Ray McLeod healed much faster than expected. He is practicing. He was returning punts on the side of the practice uh, yesterday by himself, and it is now being reported that he's likely to play in week one, which, by the way, is a return for him. He knows – this stadium very well because he played in Pittsburgh for, I believe it was three years. It was either two or three. I forget which, which it was, but he was the returner for multiple years. So he knows the ins right. and outs of this stadium. There was a lot of good news yesterday, but the Bosa news, like it was just like Trent Williams even said it, right? It was a black cloud mm -hmm. that was hanging over the team and is now right. gone. Like, I don't think, I think yesterday the team thought, that it wasn't happening week one. Listen to Kyle Shanahan in the press conference yesterday, his sort of initial reaction, because he found out minutes before going to the podium. Here's Kyle from yesterday. What were your thoughts as we were getting closer to, to game one here? Uh, not good thoughts. Um, so, but, you know, when it, you feel it's kind of, you don't, you try not to think about it much because it's not, it's not really in my control and you just got to let the process play itself out. Once um, it kind of went through the weekend, I just kind of got in my mind that we weren't playing with them. Um, so, because if I would have gone back and forth, that would have been miserable. So I just decided we weren't. Um, I think our team was ready to not and we are, that was our mindset this way. And um, it was a hell of a bonus to just get told that coming in here. So we're obviously real excited about it. So Kyle said we didn't think he was coming. And so I would love to know what changed in the last day, day and a half. Right. So we know it's it's not a Trent Williams situation where Kyle Shanahan came in and basically told the front office, get the damn deal done, you know, because clearly he was completely out of it. Like he was not dealing with the contract. He might have had thoughts on it previously, but I, I'm guessing in the offseason he had, you know, a, a role to play in terms of what they wanted to offer Boza. But once training camp started, I'm sure he shifted his focus into, I need to coach. You know, I need to get these guys ready. I need to start figuring out who's going to be on this team, who's not, all of that stuff. So I am guessing that this was Kyle, Kyle Shanahan stepping aside, and it was John Lynch, uh, Adam Peters, and Prague dealing with this contract. And those were the three that I would say were at the you know bargaining table. I don't know. Kyle claimed he wasn't involved in this one. Who knows if that's true or not? He says he wasn't. But you would think if he was going to get involved, like he would have done it a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. You know, take your pick. Um, and if he wasn't involved, like, why weren't you? That's another question, too. Like, okay, Kyle, you weren't involved. Coach. But, like, he could have gotten involved before this, right? Meh. I mean, anyway, it's done. The, yeah, the deal is done. 
it's around what people were expecting. You know, it sets every record. He had all the bargaining chips. You know, when you're coming off a defensive player of the year uh, award and you're young, you're highly drafted. This is, you know, you basically had this super high thought of you in the draft and you've more than delivered on that. You set records with your contract. No matter what position you are, you're going to set records. And that's the situation that he's in. He gets to set the record because of where he was drafted, how well he's done, and the fact that he's coming off a Defensive Player of the Year award. I just have to get to this comment. Aaron Rodriguez, Levin's level of excitement is worse than Bosa. And shout out to SignMe29 on Twitch. Follow me on Twitch at Stats on Fire. You're making me start my day with Levin. Two good comments I think we needed to get in the program. Yeah, f*** you too, SignMe29. Whoa, whoa, what is with the language here? I heard you drop an F-bomb yesterday. I know, well, I had reason to. It was an exciting day yesterday. But uh, I just totally forgot everything you just said. Uh, do you want me to say the F word again? I can, I can repeat uh, it. No, I actually I, I know what you're talking about. I'm saying that it, he came in exactly where he, ex- he expected because he's the defensive player of the year. He had all right. the leverage. And he said before he left for all this, like, mm, I think I'll get what I deserve. And he absolutely did. Took a little longer than we thought, but we absolutely did. Let's get into what this means for Brock Purdy, because I have been pretty consistent, I think, that I don't know what Brock Purdy is until he plays. It's the same thing I said about Trey Lance. We don't know what these guys are until they play. Brock has only played eight games. One of those, he got hurt in the first quarter. So I'm not making any definitive statements on him. But like I titled this video, he's set up for success now. It's all on him. You've got Bosa. He's there now in the fold. Everybody's mostly healthy. Kittle's a little banged up, but it looks like he's probably going to play. So that's good. So everything that you could possibly want for your 23-year-old quarterback is right there on the table for you. And now it's up to Brock to see how far he can take things. I know the pressure is going to be on week one, not because of the situation, but because of the team he's playing. He is going to have to be running. We're going to see how truly elite he is at avoiding people, uh, you know, in the pocket. Because T.J. Watt is coming. That defensive line is one of the two or three defensive lines that's in the argument for the best in the league. You know, I would put it behind the Niners. I would probably put it behind Philly. But after that, I think they're probably the clear number three. Yeah. Now, the weather is also not going to help him. You know, I live in Pittsburgh, so I'm well aware of what the weather is. It's raining currently right now, which is the first time in like two weeks uh, that it's been raining. But it, it's raining right now. It's supposed to rain tomorrow night. It's no. supposed to rain all day Saturday, and it's supposed to rain all day Sunday. Damn it. I don't need another monsoon <laughs> game in week one. We now, did this already. I, I will say it's not – I don't think it's supposed to be like torrential downpours. So it won't be like the monsoon game where you can't play through it, but it's going to be wet conditions – and there's actually a thunderstorm called for at one o'clock. Mm. So there might be delays in this game, which will be an interesting dynamic because you might get, you know, to play a quarter and then you get a basically a halftime to where you can kind of change things if you need to. So there might be an extended break in this game because the thunderstorm uh, chances right now are 50 to 70 percent oh. from one to six p.m. So it's not like just a little gap, you know, a little one hour window where there might be a thunderstorm. It's ongoing, so there might be multiple breaks in this game. We'll see what the weather is. I mean, if you live anywhere around the Great Lakes, weather changes drastically because the Great Lakes affect the weather, uh, and Pittsburgh's only about two hours south of all the Great Lakes. So weather does change 
at the drop of a hat here, it might be perfectly dry. But right now they're calling for pretty much 72 hours worth of rain with the game being towards the end of that. So that's going to be another aspect is he has all this pass rush coming for him and it's wet conditions. How well does he handle that pressure? Does he panic and throw interceptions like Jimmy Garoppolo did? Does he avoid the sacks? And he's truly at this elite level of being able to avoid sacks, even though, you know, he's not going to go scramble for 30 yards like, like a Lamar Jackson. He might be a Lamar Jackson in terms of just avoiding that rusher. Right. Right. So that will be very interesting. I think this is a great chance in week one to see where Purdy is at because it's not an easy week one. This is all the stuff we're going to learn about him, right? That That's sort of the fun of having that young quarterback is like we get to figure all this stuff out. Nick Nice 21 says, I'm on the east side of Pennsylvania thunderstorms all weekend. You know, that's not going to be good for uh, kicking either. Rain, muddy field. Like there's another thing that Jake Moody is going to have to. I'm very, I'm very unnerved about the kicking situation. I don't know what Moody's going to be. I, I would he, hope that they're a little more liberal going for it because of that. I've been hoping for that for seven years, going on seven years now. I don't know if we're going to see it, but it is nice to have all that set up. It's nice to have that cloud lifted. The vibes, as the kids say, got a hell of a lot better yesterday, not only because of the Nick Bosa thing and the health that the 49ers have, but also they very quietly, I felt like, made a move, Levin. They did some restructuring. They restructured George Kittle's contract. They restructured Trent Williams' contract. They freed up about $22, 23000000 million. Now, we still don't know the structure of Bosa's deal, so we don't know what his cap hit is now for 2023. You would think it's going to be lower, but we have to see those details. I can't wait to see the actual nitty-gritty of it. But why do you think the Niners restructured and freed up so much cap room? Because they only needed to free up around $2 million. Obviously, they went way beyond that. Because they can't like cap <laughs> cap space rolls over. That's why I like, I posted about this on Twitter. I don't think they're going to use this. I think they might look into the trade market. Yeah. I think they might look into the trade market. If they're sitting at, you know, say five and three or five and two, somewhere around the trade deadline. And there's a clear need somewhere at one position. I could see them maybe going, okay, we have the cap space. Let's go ahead and use it. I don't think they have anything imminent. I would be shocked if they do. This is about, you can create the cap space for players that they think will be here in mm-hmm. the future. So you might as well do it, roll it over to next year when you have crazy cap situation. I mean, prior to these uh, restructures, they had, I think it was negative 1 million in cap space next year. And that was with only 43 players signed. So they go, your cap, your cap space is based on your top 51 players. The most expensive 51 players on your roster are what determine your cap space, right? So with only 43 signed, if they signed to get up to 51 at league minimum, they were going to be at negative 12 million cap space because they had to sign eight more players to get to the 51, if that makes sense. And they were already negative one. So this is about creating positive cap space for next year. Now, I do think that there's going to be at least one big name, some key part of the team this year that will not be here next year. Who that is, I don't know. I would say this restructuring makes it more likely Kittle is not that person, which I would have had Kittle towards the top of the list. Yep. Now I think it's very unlikely that they move on from Kittle next year. Because next year they can save about, I think with this restructure, it changed it from uh, $10 million to about $7 million, eight, uh, six, maybe even $6 million if if they, if they move on for, to, from him next offseason. Oh, but, 
So it's not that big of cap space savings, whereas the following year, that's when he has the void years and his contract is basically very easy to get out of and they can save a ton more. So I think Kittle is very likely to be here this year and next year after that. It's a question mark. Prior to this restructure, I would have said this year for sure. After that, I don't know. So that's the biggest part of it, I think, in terms of what does this mean? It means Kittle is here for at least two years. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, David Lombardi had a tweet uh, Trent Williams got an $18.2 million signing bonus yesterday. So his cap hit this year is now only 12.6. Kittle gets 10.6 as a signing bonus. So his cap hit for 2023 is only 9.6. So that is, first of all, it's a great day for those guys, right? Hello. Thank you for my. It's 18- money they would have gotten anyways this season. Yeah. So all, but- all this is, is it's not complicated. It seems complicated on the surface. It's really not. All, all of these restructures that they do every single year, by the way, they always pick a couple of players and do this every single year. I think it was Eric right. Armstead last year. Now, all it is, is it takes their salary for this year and the salary would be earned through playing the 17 games. So every week they would get one seventeenth of that salary. It takes right. that salary, turns it into a signing bonus. They get the money up front, but it's still money they would have been paid this year regardless. So it's not like they get extra money for yeah, doing but- this. But what it does is it turns that salary instead of all of it hitting this year because it's a signing bonus and now gets split evenly amongst every year remaining on the contract, which for Kittle is, I believe, four years for Trent. I think it's three years. Uh, I can't remember exactly how many years Trent has. So it allows them to create cap space this year, but it also does kick it down the road a little bit like both Kittle and Trent Williams have void years built into the end of their contract those void years are becoming more and more expensive because they have more and more of these signing bonuses getting kicked down the road. So as it stands, I would have to go back and look again, but I think Trent Williams currently, when he's done with this team, he's going to have a void year where he still counts like eight, 9 million against the cap that following year, even though he's retired and Kittle is the same way. Even if Kittle goes to another team, say he's like 33, 34, the Niners, move on from him and he goes and plays another year or two with some other team, they're still going to have a big cap hit from him because they've been doing this. So that's the downside to doing this. Right. But you know, what's better than money. You were going to earn money that you now have, right? I'm sure it's great to get 10 million over 17, 18 weeks. You know, what's even better getting 10 million today. And those guys got it. Uh, Bay Marin says, I'm just a mathematician. I can't understand how the cap works. Uh, how about Zandro 96 watching on Twitch being on vacation in Mexico. I can finally watch you guys on the normal hour. Thanks for the shows. Love from Mexico and Germany. Go Niners international here on the program. Yeah, double it. international. Apparently uh, that's awesome. Honestly. Good. Appreciate it. You know, uh, I hadn't thought of it, thought of this. This is back to what I was talking about. I've mm-hmm. never thought of this until just now. Just popped in my head. It might have actually cost them a little bit of money by getting paid up front because the Getting paid in the NFL and in professional sports is a little complicated because the taxes in which you pay is based upon where you perform the work. So when they play against the Steelers in week one, that games check will be taxed at the Pennsylvania state rate. When they play in Texas, there's no state income taxes. So they don't get taxed state taxes when they play in Texas or Florida. So every game check you get taxed state taxes based upon where that game took place because this is a signing bonus. Now, every bit of that money was taxed at the California rate, which I think we all know is as high as it gets in this country. So it might've actually cost some money. I've never thought of that about that before. Boo. Who? 
<laughs> well, right. Well, I mean, it's not like it changes their life in any drastic way, but I've never thought about that aspect that like if I'm in, if I'm a guy playing for a Florida team or a Texas team, I'm saying I will I don't care if it's three million or 30 million. I will change my salary to a signing bonus right now because it actually saves them money. Waltony 101 on Twitch says rough day for Jed's bank balance. Not really. When you're a billionaire, like, do people realize how much more a billion is than a million? I don't think people do. A million seconds is like 11 days. A billion seconds is 31 years. Yeah. So that's the difference. So I know Jed paid out a lot of money. I know David Lombardi was throwing him flowers. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. Okay. Like there, no, that's what owners are supposed to do. You you don't get credit for that. That's your job. That's your only job. Like I said, it, it's money he would have paid him anyways this year. You know, right. yeah, oh, yeah. It, for the player, he gets it up front. But in the end result is Jed York has the same amount of money at the end of the year that he would have. Well, yeah, That's I mean, the end result for Jed. It doesn't affect the owner at all. Jed's labor costs are fixed because right. of the salary cap. So that's Correct. why the owners like to do that. It's just the distribution of it that changes with the money. How much do you expect to see Bosa on Sunday? I know Kyle was kind of joking, like, how many snaps are there in the game? But I wouldn't be surprised if he was on a snap count. I think he'll be on some kind of snap count. I don't think they'll announce that. I don't yeah. think they're going to admit to it after the game. I would guess that he'll play a lot, but he will not play his normal amount. Normally he plays somewhere between 65 and 75% of snaps. I'm guessing he's going to play about 50% of the snaps. I think if the game is very close, which I do expect, I think they might, as long as he's not winded, push him more. Right. So I think it's going to depend on the game situation, but I do think he will not play every down that he usually would. They just won't call it a snap count, but that's yeah. in reality what it is. I wouldn't be shocked if they did admit it after the game, to be honest with you. And I've said this everywhere. I don't think you can get ready for football without doing football. And Bosa hasn't been doing football because he's been holding out. You know, everybody brought up TJ Watt. Oh, TJ Watt, you know, he signed two days before whatever it is. Well, he was there. He was holding in. He was still mm -hmm. working out and doing all that stuff. Bosa wasn't, but we'll see. I don't know if you saw this, Levin. His mom, Bosa's mom, went on 95-7 the game yesterday and was like, he's in better shape. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. It's like, okay, I hope that's true, but also like it's coming from your mom. So, you know, not exactly an objective source. Can we get your mom on this show? I, I want to hear her talk about you. No, you think I'm critical. Oh. <laughs> Let me just say that. Uh, I'm all for it then. I want to hear all the little things that little Robbie messed up on when he was a kid. No, God, I'm still messing up on him. Nick Ellert says, Levin's trying to show Vish what a room is supposed to look like. People like your extra swag that you got in the background there. Uh, yeah, that's uh, birthday swag, I guess you could say. In The in-laws sent me an NFL shop gift card. So I nice. bought, uh, God, it throws me off. I bought this plaque and this plaque because I figured, why not have something behind me? I mean, I could have been pictures of myself, but that just might have been like cuteness overload for people. So, <laughs> yeah, cuteness overload. It'd be an overload of something. It wouldn't be cuteness. Uh, let's actually like dive into this game a little bit. We actually have a real football game to talk about. I mean, the NFL season starts tonight with Chiefs and Lions. Nick Ellert, YouTube channel member, by the way, please become a YouTube channel member. It's less than $3 a month. You get priority comment response, custom emojis, membership badges. 
I got to get rid of the, I got rid of the, actually the Trey Lance emoji once he got traded. So there's a new emoji in there for you. So please become a YouTube channel member. Nick Ellert says, will Pittsburgh try to run some no huddle to keep Bosa on the field and get him gassed? It's not a bad idea. Uh, It makes sense. I can see like that's a logical thing to think about, right? But at the same time, this is a very vanilla offense. (laughs) True. Uh, So I don't know that you're going to see creativity out of them. Like it's not an offense that, it's not like the Chiefs where they're capable of just changing things on the fly, right? And my guess is unless Kenny Pickett is really, really good in the no huddle, which I'm, to be honest, I don't know how good he is, how comfortable he is in the no huddle. If, if it's something that he's not overly comfortable with, they're going to want him to start out well. They're not going to want him want to put him in situations that he's less than. You know, if he's great in the no huddle, they might. But if he's not great in the no huddle, I think they're going to keep it vanilla because he has a chance to grow. But He's a young quarterback who had a – he showed promise as a rookie. You know, I've talked about it previously. I did watch a lot of Pittsburgh games because of where I live. You could see that there was a great quarterback in there, but you didn't see it consistently. Now, they're saying that he's made that jump this year, right, that he's going to be really good this year. But at the same time, you haven't seen it. So if he starts out inconsistent, it might start to get in his head. So they're going to want to get him safe, reliable things. I do think that this is going to be a game where you see a lot of – Uh, Deontay Johnson, because he is really good in those short yardage things. He's, I would say inside of 10 yards, he might be the toughest cover in the entire league. And there are, there are people out there that analyze route running and they all put him in the top five of the league. He is ridiculous in terms of short yardage ability to get open. Now Pickens, he's the one that scares me. I can live with Johnson having a big game. If Pickens gets those big spectacular catches, the Niners are in trouble, and I don't I don't know that there's much they're going to be able to do to stop it either because Pickens is just – he's a freak. Contested catches. He's amazing at contested catches. Shout out to Andrew, new YouTube channel member. We appreciate that. Did you hear what Kyle Shanahan said on KMBR last week? I thought this was really interesting. They asked Kyle how often – Teams run things that they've never run before against the 49ers. And Kyle literally said it used to be easy back in the day because nobody, everybody would just do what they did. And Kyle knows how to break that. He knows how to destroy your defense when he knows what's coming. Now he said pretty much every week they run something that they've never done before. So teams are literally willing to almost sort of play left-handed against the 49ers because they know if they don't change it up, Kyle will just completely deconstruct them. So it's interesting to me. I'm going to keep an eye on like how fast do the 49ers start in games or do they need a drive or two to figure out like, hey, okay, this is the new wrinkle that they are throwing at us. Here's how we have to adjust. It's, to me, one of the big parts of Purdy. Can he overcome those early struggles? Because I think you can look at it. Yeah, the Niners tend to struggle both early in the season and early in games. Normally, it's not until the second quarter that they suddenly pick things up. You know, it's that that third drive is normally when they start get going and then they're normally really good the rest of the game. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, it was all right. You're basically punting on scoring in this first quarter. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it will be interesting to see if Purdy can kind of overcome those, can do a little bit of the ab lib plays like I talked about to where he lifts Kyle Shanahan until Kyle Shanahan knows what the defense is trying to do and destroys them. Right. And that's why I do think the Niners are going to be a much better offense with Purdy. 
even if Purdy isn't like spectacular, you know, even if he doesn't perform like he did last year, I think they're going to be better than they were. I I'm very confident they will be a top 10 overall scoring offense. And I think they have a very good chance of being top five. So I think they do become better early on, which is why it's a, it's important this year. They got to get off to a better start. They can't be you no know, two and three with, they got a lot of easier games early in the schedule. You're exactly right. That could be like the perfect sort of marriage. That was the idea with Trey Lance with the mobility was that you wanted somebody that could overcome the situations where you weren't in the perfect play call. So that's definitely something to watch going forward. If the Niners do have success offensively early in games, is it within the structure of the offense or it was, is it more Brock making something happen when it's not necessarily there? And if that can work, if that marriage can sort of happen, then we're looking at something really, really special. Then we're looking at an offense that really will keep defensive coordinators up at night and not just because of the quote-unquote Jimmy Gimmies, as we used to say. Well, I mean, even if, if you take like the Jimmy Garoppolo offense and how it performed and you just make a small adjustment, say Purdy is the same level of passer as Garoppolo. He makes no improvement as a passer than what Jimmy Garoppolo was. But what he does do is he gets out of that one to two sacks per game that ended a drive. Mm -hmm. So if he keeps one to two drives going that were sacks and ended with Jimmy Garoppolo, even if they're only field goals, that's three to six points per game boost. If you give the Niners three to six, you know, say split the difference, four and a half points. If you had four and a half points to the amount they were scoring per game, they've been a top five or damn close offense every single year for the last five years. That's a good point. Judd says, What's Levin talking about? Fans told me Kyle's only good with his first 12 scripted plays. Yeah, they're either a complete or the Niners dominate because they're scripted. He doesn't adjust, right? So if the defense does a good job and comes out with something that stops those scripted plays because they changed something up or they didn't do something that Kyle expected, those scripted plays, Kyle sticks to them and they freaking suck. And I I think more often than not, they don't do overly well. I, I hate the whole scripted idea. I don't think it works. I think maybe your first three, you know, if you go, okay, first down, second down, third down on the first drive, this is what it's going to be if we need it, right? After that, change. Beats and Meat says, like Kyle Shanahan, I've scripted my first 12 comments. Kyle scripts the first, I forget what it is, 12, 15 plays in the game. And then he also scripts coming out of the half. He scripts basically that mm-hmm. whole first possession. Um, I don't really have a, I mean, the script is basically, Here's what we think they do. Here's how mm-hmm. we think they beat it. But right. if teams are consistently not doing what they normally do, then does the script help you that much? I don't know. But we know Kyle's system is is predicated on setting you up, doing something early, and then making you think they're going to do it again, and then mm-hmm. having a wrinkle or a variation that can get you for a chunk play. So maybe that's why he likes the scripts. I mean, he he does. He He's doing what or has been doing all along what he's talking about. The defenses are starting to do to him. What Kyle does every week is he looks at how the defense tends to like to cover things. And then he changes his offense to purposely trick yes. that defense. All right. Cause you know, we heard about it in the play callers podcast. Kyle sits in on defensive meetings did even when he was like a, you know, just getting started in coaching because he wanted to know defense as well as a defensive coordinator, new defense. So he looks and analyzes the opponent's defense and goes, all right, 
when this type of route is run here, the defense adjusts this way, they move this way, they play zone here, they play man here, you know, they, they change this way. And then he purposely runs things where it looks like they're going to be going in and they get that adjustment from the defense and then right then the route changes. Things like that is what Kyle loves to do, and that's what defenses are starting to do to him, to where it looks like they're about to change the way that Kyle predicts, and then all of a sudden they have a different wrinkle in there and the defense in terms of their coverages actually rolls in a different way than what Kyle saw on film. Let me ask this question. Are you more excited to see the 49ers offense on Sunday or the defense? Because I think it might be the defense for me just because this defensive line, especially when Bosa really gets, you know, kind of up and running and in the flow of things. You have Bosa on the edge. You have Javon Hargrave in the middle with Eric Armstead. That defensive line, I feel like, is going to be just an absolute wrecking crew. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree, in terms of that defense is exciting, but uh, hell no, offense <laughs> all day, every day, every week. I love defense. I hate that the league has made offense easier. I wish they would go back to you know older rules where the cornerbacks could be more physical. But in terms of what I'm most excited for, I'm most excited when the Niners have the ball and have the potential to score points. <laughs> That's just the nature of it. Like it's not as exciting when the defense is on the field because in all likelihood they're not going to be able to score points. So the only way you score points is to have the ball. And then you throw in the wrinkle of, oh, we have a quarterback that we think might actually be our franchise quarterback, but we don't know yet because he's only played eight games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like offense every single week this season and into the future. That's the one I'm more excited to watch for. So you never need to ask that question again. (laughs) I I thought it was an interesting question. I I mean, let us know in the chat what you think. Um, But I just, I think that they could just cause absolute chaos. I think that if it works the way they're hoping, they're going to generate a ton of turnovers. And that was something that the Niners Mm -hmm. did last year better than anybody. They had the best turnover differential in the league. It's part of the reason that their scoring output jumped up so much. Yes, it was Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy. Yes, but also they, I think they generated like more than two turnovers a game down the stretch of the season last year that was setting up the offense to where they didn't have to have 80 yard drives every time down the field to score points. So I just think it could just literally be chaos for quarterbacks. They drop back to pass. Holy crap. Here's Nick Bosa. You try to step up. Wait, there's Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. I think Drake Jackson could be the beneficiary of literally like right place, right time sacks because that's the only spot the quarterback is going to have to go to. So he's going to have a quarterback running to him. And, and that's, you know, even the mobile guys he'll have a shot at some of the immobile guys that'll be even better. I just think it could be absolutely potentially the best defensive line. The 49ers have ever had. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, that's on the left side of the offensive line about to play the 49ers, you're not wanting to show up on Sunday, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like that's the thing we haven't seen yet that, yeah, is extremely exciting. Bosa and Hargrave next to one another. Good freaking luck. They're going to do that, too. You know they're going to do all sorts of stuff. They're gonna, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be fantastic. Chris Kacarek's got to be, like, the happiest guy on the 49ers now that Bosa is what about this uh, one? in the fold. Walton 101 says special teams can't beat a highly accurate punt on fourth and one. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's all the buttons. Thanks, Walt. He didn't even go to kicking. He went to punting. Right. I mean, Mitch Wisnowski's had a terrible preseason, by the way. But anyway, we don't need to get into that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, we'll see what happens in the games. He is somebody that puts a lot of extra spin on the ball. 
Like that's his specialty. That's why he gets so many punts downed inside of the 20, right? He led the league in terms of downed punts inside the 20. I think it was like 52% of all of his punts were down inside the 20. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was experimenting with trying to get different types of spin on the ball in the preseason. Yeah. Well, experiment's over, Mitch. Get to it. Uh, Nick Heller, YouTube channel member, says, I want to see the offense with all their playmakers. Did not happen a lot last year. Debo was hurt. Brock knew. Kittle limited. Yeah, that's the benefit, though, of having all the guys, is that one injury is not going to slow you down. It's the cluster injuries that can take you down. But if Debo has to miss time, you still have Kittle, Ayuk, and McCaffrey. I mean, everybody knows the names, but you see my point. One name missing is not going to slow down this offense, and that's the most reassuring thing. There's two names on offense that can slow down if they're out. Purdy, because we all know who's coming in after Purdy, and Christian McCaffrey. Now, do I think it ruins the offense and makes them terrible? No. Like, they'll still be a pretty good offense. They'll still be dangerous. But those two, I do think, would fundamentally change the offense. I don't think Kyle's going to trust Darnold nearly as much as Purdy. So he's going to probably lean into his running game more. And if Christian McCaffrey is out, I think it becomes more of a vertical offense and uh, kind of more of like a run and gun where he's going to run a lot with Jordan Mason and try to make it a little more we're going down the field because he doesn't have that easy dump off. Unless Mason truly has turned the corner in terms of a pass catcher, I'm suspect of that because he wasn't great at it as a rookie. Like you don't just suddenly become a phenomenal pass catcher, even though he looked good in the preseason. I agree. Thanks for finishing your comment right as I was taking a drink. Uh, Christopher Johnson says, I I love your 1980s style glass there. Like that reminds me of like my grandma's stuff when I was a kid. First of all, it's plastic. Second of all, it's one of the biggest clean cups we had available in the house at the time. All right. You jerk. (laughs) Christopher Johnson says, I'm excited to see Christian McCaffrey with a whole off season. I think McCaffrey himself was just excited to be able to be there from install in training camp and sort of learn the whole thing. I mean, you would think Kyle's going to dial up some crazy-ass stuff for him. I've told you, I wouldn't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey wins the MVP this year. I think he has a very strong chance of being a 1,000-1,000 season. Oh, I think he has a chance of a 1,000-1,000, too. He ain't winning the MVP if he does it, though. Uh, yeah, if the Niners are the number one seed in the NFC and he goes for a 1,000-1,000, I think he's going to be right there. That's why I have him. There will off- be Mahomes fatigue. That is a real thing. He's won yeah. enough MVPs late, you know, in recent seasons. There's going to be Mahomes MVP fatigue. So even if Mahomes has, you know, 45 touchdowns on 5,000 yards, the voters are going to be going, yeah, but who else could I vote for? I think he's the best bet for offensive player of the year. That's why I plunked down yeah, I know. some money on him. If he goes 1,000, 1,000, he should be the offensive player of the year, but we'll see. Um, okay, so two things I want to get from you before we go. First is a prediction on this game. I predicted a Steelers win. Michelle, uh, excuse me, I predicted a 49ers win. Michelle has predicted a Steelers win. Surprise, surprise, Steelers fan. Where are you coming down in week one? I think it's a very even matchup because of where it's at. If this was in Levi's, it would be Niners all day. I don't like both the signings so late. You have a new defensive coordinator. I think that's going to have a bigger effect than we've all talked about to this point. And then we know that Kyle struggles early on, and this defensive line is going to blow up a lot of his uh, game plan. So I hate to say it, but yeah, I'm picking the Steelers. I think they're more likely to win. I won't be shocked if the Niners win. I think it's a very close game. I don't think it's going to be overly high scoring. I think both teams probably get into 
They're either going to be in the upper teens to low 20s is where I think this game is going to be. And it's going to be a game that comes down to the final possession. I think the over-under was like 41 for the game. It was right around It might be over that. I think I could see both teams. I could see like 27 to 23, which is technically 50 points, but neither offense was, you know, great in the game. I think the rain is going to have an effect too. So that's why I think it's probably going to be lower scoring, but 41 seems low to me at the same time. It's definitely low, but if it's raining and like you said, the defenses are really good. Something that uh, was pointed out to me yesterday by people in the chat, I actually hadn't realized this, you know, as much as we talk about the 49ers slow starts under Kyle Shanahan and they have, we know three and four last year, three and five, the year before the Steelers have gotten off to really slow starts the past two seasons too. They've been under 500 after four or five weeks. Uh, so it's, you know, it's one of those things is going to have to change in this game unless they tie, which would just be the most miserable outcome that we could see. But so, yeah, we're going to see who's, who gets out of the gate strong. But the Niners aren't the only team that starts slow. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, there's something to be said for that. I, I'm just going to throw this. Don't be shocked if whatever quarterback holds on to the ball when they get blown up on their blind side yep. is the difference in the game. Because I think both quarterbacks are going to get rocked in this game and going to get hit when they're, you know, when they're still doing their, you know, drop back and they're not quite ready for the hit yet. I I think both defensive lines get three plus sacks in this game. How Purdy, at least from the Niners perspective, responds to the pressure that he is going to face will be a huge factor in the game. We saw with Jimmy Garoppolo, he would panic and he would get rid of the ball and he would usually put it in harm's way. Brock, has shown a little of that, but he's also shown escapability, number one. And I've seen Brock throw passes away already. Jimmy Garoppolo never threw passes away. So how Brock responds to the pressure, does he try to make a play and go down the field and jam a ball into a tight window, or does he just throw it away? But those choices are going to go a long way to determining who wins on Sunday. Absolutely. Like, throw the ball away. It still it boggles my mind. Jimmy could never learn that skill. Like, <laughs> all right, you're outside of the pocket. You don't really see anything open. Throw it away. Like, it's not that complicated. That's like one of the easiest things to learn and adjust to. All right, I throw the ball away. I don't throw a jump ball. Like, that, that's not very hard to figure out. But yeah, I, I think both quarterbacks are in for a, a rough day. I would not be shocked to see both teams coming away from this game, even if. You know, even for the winning team coming out of this game going, eh, did the quarterback actually turn the corner? Is they Are they actually the franchise? Like, I don't think either quarterback is going to have a huge game because of the defensive lines, the wet conditions, and the fact that both defenses are just good all around. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is phenomenal. And you got the all-pro safety sitting on the other side. Right. The all-pro safety is on the 49ers side, which is crazy. It might be the two best ball-hawking safeties in the entire league. I want to get to this, especially before week one, because this is, I feel like, going to be a topic. J.T. O'Sullivan has sort of made this a topic in his film review. He's talked about how he hates seven-step drops by quarterbacks under center. Beats and Meats says, please, God, no seven-step drops from under center. And I just want to say, just because you call a seven-step drop from under center doesn't mean it's guaranteed a guy's going to get hurt. Like, we're just throwing all of those out of the playbook I disagree with that. If you want to, I wouldn't do it every time. I get that. But it's not like there's no situation where you should ever call a seven-step drop from under center. I just don't believe that. Do you need better pass protection? Yes. But let's stop acting like, oh, that's injury. You can't do that injury. It's guaranteed. Like, no. It's a risk versus reward 
case to me. And I think that's that's the way JT is looking at it. The risk is huge. And he, you know, he broke it down in that film. You know, when you drop seven feet or seven steps back, you're giving defensive ends phenomenal angles to get to you because now they just run straight, you know, maybe angle slightly in to get to you. Whereas if you only go five, it doesn't mean you can't throw the ball deep, but it means that in order to get to you, they got to come through that offensive tackle. So it's, it's more about the angle of what the pass rusher can do on the edge than the actual type of throws that you can make. And I will, I'll say this, JT knows because he played for Mr. Madden offense himself, Mike Martz. Throw it deep, throw it deep, throw it deep. That was Mike Martz's offense, right? He he lived off of that. It worked for about a decade in the NFL, and then teams realized, all right, just hit the freaking quarterback. Come after the quarterback constantly, and they won't have enough time for those deep routes. And JT was a hand-picked guy by Mike Martz, followed Mike Martz around for most of mm-hmm. his career. So he took a lot of hits because of those deeper routes and deeper drops that Mike Martz loved so much. I just disagree with the general. Okay, so we can't ever have a backup tight end pass block anybody, right? Can't do that because that's how Brock got hurt. That's apparently, that's what people are saying. Now we can't do seven step drops from center. Like there is no perfect play call that eliminates the risk of injury. Are some plays no. riskier than others? Yeah. Sure, but you always, there's always risks. So I just, I feel like people are just going to be on the lookout for that. Is it a seven step drop from under center? Oh, that that's what if they score a 50 yard touchdown on the play? Like, I, I don't like that narrative. That's already starting to form. Like I said, I think we have really strong analytical in-depth analysis of take every single seven step drop that has happened in the NFL, say in the last five years and analyze how how they did compared to the average of the offense that they were performed in, right? Get, get a measurement of, did those seven step drops have a benefit, right? Did they make, did they have better results than the average for the offense that they performed in? Right. So you can take all of them. You can analyze them against the offenses and come up with a single number for all of the NFL and know whether or not they actually improve things. My hunch is they probably didn't because I think there's a lot of sacks that comes off of those and there's a lot of interceptions that comes off of those because you're trying deeper balls. And I think quarterbacks, when they get the rare opportunity to have a deep drop back and go deep, they kind of want to push themselves and go for it. Right. So my guess is, is that those didn't have a net benefit. So what is the reward of doing them is the question. Now, I don't know these numbers. That is a project I am not undertaking. <laughs> it would not be a fun project to do, you know, analyzing literally thousands and thousands of uh, game clips. But I do think that there there is a legit argument there to be had of do seven step drops bring any actual benefit or could you do the same routes from a five step drop where the quarterback is better protected? I don't know. That's I have no idea, but I'm just not eliminating all play calls right off the bat just because there's a hypothetical case where a guy could get injured. That's all I'm saying. Before we go, I want to get your official prediction because I gave you some homework last week. I didn't want to put you on the spot. You've had a whole week. I gave mine last week with Michelle. I'm at 12 and 5 for the 49ers. Uh, and yes, as somebody pointed out in the comments, if I could bring it up really quick, uh, James T. Kirk, shout out to the captain of the Enterprise watching the show. Rob, you predicted the Niners will fall in the divisional round. The fan base is called Faithful. Have some faith. I did make that prediction. It was less about. It wasn't really about lack of faith in the 49ers, more just the history that the Niners are facing. Teams don't get to four out of five 
NFC championship games, the history of the NFL very often. So I, I, that was more my side of it, but where do you come down? What is your season long uh, prediction for the 49ers in 2023? Okay. First off, it was James T. Kurt. Oh, oh, sorry. I'm just making a commander's joke there. Remember that whole mess where the president couldn't even call his quarterback by the correct name instead of Kurt. He said Kurt constantly. No, but uh, my, my prediction I go back and forth between 12 and five and 11 and six, which actually kind of surprised me. Like I've had the idea of 13 and four in my head all off season, but then I sat down with the schedule and actually went game by game. I have mm-hmm. losses to the Steelers as I've already talked about Cowboys Bengals at Seahawks at Eagles. And then the one that makes me kind of waffle back and forth is that Ravens game yeah. because look, the Ravens are going to go one of two directions this year, in my opinion. They finally got rid of Greg Roman, right? They have a normal offensive coordinator, so to speak. Todd Monken. So either Lamar Jackson's going to take another step, right? And he's going to be in the MVP consideration, or it's going to be they made Lamar something that he's not. They tried to make him a pocket passer and all this stuff, and they took away the best aspect of Lamar Jackson, what makes him special, and the Ravens create him, right? So it's going to go one of two ways. So I go kind of go back and forth on that game because it is later in the season. I feel like they have – more of a chance to figure out what they need to do with Lamar Jackson in that offense and make adjustments and all that. So I'm going to stick at 12 and five. The reason I'm going 12 and five instead of 11 and six is because I'm being a homer. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't make up my mind. I kept going back and forth. All right. Are they going to lose to the Ravens? Are they not going to lose to the Ravens? You know what? I can't make up my mind. F it. I would rather root for 12 and five than 11 and six. So I'm going 12 and five. There you go. Just being honest, like when you need a tiebreaker, at some point, that becomes the tiebreaker. Tie goes to the runner, right? Uh, I agree on that Ravens game. It's going to be tricky. And they have so many guys that are really good, but they have guys with a long injury history. Like, if you're telling me Odell's not going to be there and some of their other guys are a little banged up, like, I give the Niners a much better shot, obviously. If everybody's there and playing well and humming, that's going to be a very, very difficult game. All right, so that's your regular season prediction. What's your playoff prediction? <laughs> Well, I generally hate doing playoff predictions because if you don't pick the Niners to win the Super Bowl, then <laughs> like kind of what are you doing, right? Like I, I'm not an NFL analyst. I'm a 49ers podcaster, right? So I don't like not picking the Niners, but at the same time, it's a homer. I do think the Niners have a very good chance. I believe Purdy's going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if he's going to be great, but I think he'll be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And that enough is enough for me to put this team in the Super Bowl. Now, who they play, I don't think it will be Kansas City. I don't think enough has been made about the fatigue of playing that long in the playoffs every single year. The fact that they've now won twice, there's a kind of, I wouldn't say lack of inspiration there, but lack of motivation to, yeah, to a certain extent. I think there'll be some players that they've been able to count on in the past that might take it a little easier this season, right? The Chris Jones situation, the fact that Kelsey is 34 years old and has a knee issue. Now I've heard that he has a chance of playing this week. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not that big of a knee issue. It's supposedly just a, a deep bruise, but at the same time, he's 34. Like there is decline coming and he's not, he's not a super athletic tight end either. He's really good about finding gaps in zones. Like that's what Kelsey is off the charts. in. he finds the gap and Mahomes trusts him to find the gap. Right. And that's why he's been able to produce, but he is 34. Like, Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't see Kansas City having the dominance season and making it far in the playoffs. There's too many good teams in, in the AFC. 
Now, part of me wants to go with the Ravens because I do think like Lamar is going to be healthier. And I do think they might take another step there because they have, you know, Flowers is a year older. They have, like you said, Odell. There's so much risk to that because it could go the other way. And like mm-hmm. you said, all those players are injury prone. Mark Andrews is injury prone, right? They're tied in. So to me, I think it, it comes down to the Ravens or Cincinnati. And I'll go with Cincinnati making it there. And I think it's going to be a rematch. Now I had the Niners losing to Cincinnati in the regular season. I think they'll come back and win and beat them in the Super Bowl. And I think that would be an amazing story. And actually I haven't looked yet. Who gets to do the Super Bowl this year? Because if it's Chris Collinsworth, please give us a Cincinnati Niners Super Bowl. Right. Because <laughs> he will be going through it. Because he still brings that up from time to time. Like It's yeah. clear that it still bothers him that he lost out a Super Bowl to the Niners. <laughs> Niners Bengals in the Super Bowl. We have seen that a couple of times. It's CBS this year. So it's Tony That's Romo right. and okay. uh, Jim Nance. A couple questions I want to get to before we go. First of all, Wedge Antilles. Did you see Sherman Richard Sherman's season prediction? Sherman's best heel turn in 49ers history. He's all red and gold. He picked the Niners to beat, I think, the Chiefs in yeah. the Super Bowl. He also uh, picked uh, some Niners to win, like, awards, too. Yeah, I can't remember go. which one it was. Might have been Christian McCaffrey, offensive player of the year. Can't remember. I remember seeing a Niners player in one of his awards. Yeah, he stole it from me. Uh, Beats yeah. and Meats says, what happens if Purdy plays well all season, but the 49ers do not? Does Cousins book his flight to San Francisco? I don't think so. I think the only way Cousins is here is if Purdy gets hurt again or just doesn't yeah. play well. So, yeah, if, if Purdy is just not the real deal, falls apart, hmm. uh, or like I, like you said, if he suffers another injury, you're back in the Jimmy situation of, yeah, this guy might be good enough when he's healthy, but he's never healthy, and I don't think Kyle's going through that again. I, I think, agree. I think if Purdy gets uh, an injury, you know, he, he can miss a couple games, and it wouldn't happen. But if he's hurt in a significant way or if he's hurt in the playoffs, then I think Kyle goes, I'm not going through this again. I'm going and getting a guy that's never hurt. Yes. Now, I will say, like, Kirk Cousins is going to be 36 next year. Like that surprised me, honestly, like uh, they, they posted like the oldest quarterbacks starting in the NFL. And I think cousins was fourth. It's shocked me that he's a year older than Russell Wilson. I would have sworn Russell Wilson was a year or two older than him. Um, Now he's tough as nails. He's been playing, but you're right. There could be some decline there, Uh, but I don't want to skip ahead. I know. I know. But that's the only way, like if Purdy is good, but the Niners somehow lose, which would be the polar opposite of what the situation's been for the last like four or five years. They're not going to replace him just because, right? And at the same time, like if he's bad, yeah, they're not going to stick with him if he's bad. Now, the situation that scares me is what happens if he's very mediocre, but the Niners still are 12 and five because the team is so loaded. That's the situation that scared me. And I've talked about that from day one since he came yep. in and looked good like scares the crap out of me that he's going to be no better than jimmy but because the offense or the the team is so loaded they still win a bunch of games and we're still in the situation where like the team and a lot of the fan base want to support the quarterback because look he wins <laughs> but if they're not winning because of him move on well well, we'll see what happens. We're going to find all of that out this season. Last question before we go, Levin, what are your thoughts on the 49ers captains? They announced them yesterday. Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, George Kittle, Brock Purdy, and Debo Samuel. Your thoughts? The only one that's surprising to me is Debo. He wasn't one last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you have Ayuk that could have been in there. You know, you, you have 
three or four other players that could have easily been captains. Uh, but in all honesty, like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it only mattered last year because they went from having seven captains two years in a row to suddenly having six. And Kyle Shanahan was dumb enough to admit in a press conference <laughs> that if they went seven, it would have been Trey Lance. Like, if he had never said that, it would have been like a non-story. Like, it would have been, yep, Trey Lance isn't a captain, and that's all it would have been. But the fact that Kyle admitted that, yeah, we're dropping from seven to six this year, but Trey Lance was seventh. Like, that's what made it a big story. So, uh, normally, I, I don't I don't give a shit about who the captains are. I would have still made it a big story if because Lance wasn't a captain, because your quarterback has to be a captain. He's a captain by default. Yeah. It's He touches the ball every play. It's the nature of the position. Well, but he calls right. the plays. He gets everybody. And right. He makes adjustments like he has to be the captain because he has to be the guy that knows the offense better than anybody else. But the fact that Kyle did expressly kind of get into the standings there was not good. It's surprising that uh, Debo is a captain because he was behind Lance last year. So he wasn't even the first guy out. But now he is a captain this year. But uh, I've said this and I'm going to continue to say it because Brock is in there. He should be a captain. He is the quarterback. The 49ers are doing everything right by Brock Purdy to take it full circle to where we started. Everything right by Brock Purdy. They've cleared the deck. They've surrounded him with playmakers. They freed up a bunch of cap space now to give them flexibility if they want to make a move this year. Like you said, I don't know that they will, but they have that in their in their options. They've done everything that you should do to support a 23-year-old quarterback. And that, I give them credit for that because they screwed that up royally with Trey Lance, but at least it seems now like they have learned from those mistakes. Yeah, and then uh, I wanted to respond to this, you know, Judge Shooty, is that how you've been pronouncing it? I just say Judge. I know he's been around. I recognize the name. But Hmm. what needs to be asked is if there really is terrible weather, will Levin and Stats give Brock the same excuse as Trey got? My response to that is, if there is terrible weather, we'll see you after the game and we'll talk about it. You'll find (laughs) out then. (laughs) If it's a monsoon? If if it's bad weather, yeah. I will. You know, it's so funny to me. The day after Trey Lance was traded, I had people all over my mentions. Move on. Move on from Trey Lance. Move on. Now that he's been gone, all those same people are bringing up Trey Lance when nobody here is talking about him. It's it's re- like, make up your minds. What do you, Am I allowed to talk about Trey Lance or can I not talk about him? It's very, very weird. Uh, Cinnamon Kiss, shout out to you, YouTube channel member, says the locker room didn't back Trey. I agree. That was the sign the locker room didn't back Trey. It was a sign the organization more so didn't back Trey. And that's another thing Tim Kawakami admitted yesterday. Oh, yeah, that was a bad sign. Yeah. Where were you last year talking about that? Yeah, he wasn't part of the good old boys club. That was painfully obvious. <sighs> well, here it's we all go. all over. We can move on. We got a yes. team, and it's a Super Bowl contender. So let's f***ing get to Sunday. Look at you. What is it with all these swears, man? You're all pumped up about it. Well, this is the real me. Like, I cuss all the time in real life. I know. You just want to make... Some people will find that out on Saturday because I'm going to the uh, Chapman party. Oh, you're going to the Chapman Road Show? Yeah, I reached out to him. I I asked, uh, you know, what's the situation with this? What's the details and all that? And he invited me to come and he said, don't worry about it. Just come. And I guess he's got like a VIP section that he's willing to put me in. So hold on, hold on. No, no, no. He didn't invite you. Well, no, no, no. After I asked the details, because I was thinking about getting a ticket and going and actually being sociable, not just staying at home when everybody's here where I live. 
And yeah, he, he was gracious enough to say, yeah, it's a great time. Come on down uh, and all that. So sort of, I guess, invited me. Like, yeah, I asked, but at the same time, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Nice you typing totally there. You invited yourself. That sort of. You- I couldn't say, hey, can you get me in? What did you say? I said, what is it like? So I posted about, uh, I, I said something about like debating whether or not to do anything or I can't remember exactly what I posted. And somebody said, why don't you go to Chapman's party? And Chapman posted, you know, replied to it saying, you know, basically the more the merrier. So I DM'd him because I've talked to him in DMs before and said, so what are the details of this party? And that's when he said, these are the details. This is what goes on. You're more than welcome to come. Don't worry about at all. I'll, you know, you're, so well, I, I don't want to. <laughs> Not only did you invite yourself to this event, now you're it's telling me you're... sells tickets for. You're getting in for free and oh. you're a VIP. Well, first of all, you're not a VIP in any room that you're in. So that I disagree with his whole VIP section is now suspect to me. I got to have a conversation with John. Just because you're a jerk who doesn't show up and won't come to town doesn't mean you got to be jealous. It's okay, Rob. It's okay. I'll still be on, I'll still be on the show next week. It's okay. You invited yourself to the event. That is weak, weak sauce. I'm just going to just leave it at that. I mean, what's worse, inviting yourself to an event that literally tickets are sold to anybody for or not accepting an invite to an event? Which one's worse? I mean, you you could have just bought a ticket. Do you ever consider that? You don't well, need I, to didn't, I didn't know all the details. I've never shown up to one of these things. I'm sure John has the details available to the public. I'm sure he shares the details with the public, but you didn't do that. You DM'd it. Yeah, it's you easier to DM and get the actual real like truth than trying to search through a whole bunch of posts to find out, oh, okay, this kind of like I wanted to know what exactly they do at the thing. Like, I'm not a huge drinker. I drink some, but I'm not a huge drinker. So if it was just something where like everybody goes and gets crazy, that's not gonna be my scene. And that's not what it is. You know, some people are that way, some people aren't. So I wanted to make sure that's not what it was. Like I, I don't I don't care to go into a group of, you know, 200, 300 people and just get smashed all together. Like, that's not me. Here is my question. Will you be in a state on Sunday to join me for the instant reaction show? Yeah. All right. That's all I want to know. I'm going to get the full recap on Sunday, too, of this whole little excursion. Like, I'll be drinking at this party, but I'm not going to get wasted. One, I got to drive home. I live here, so. Right. Like, I, I don't do that stuff, but... It, I also don't drink in excess anymore. I'm too old and it was never really something I cared for. I come from, I'm the only person that drinks alcohol in my family. My entire family, siblings, wow. parents are non-alcoholic. So the O'Doul's of families. All right. Um, O'Doul's rules. Please, please, please <laughs> join us after the game in the instant reaction show. Uh, it'll be live here on the YouTube channel. As I said, Darnold rules. And uh, we hope you're a part of that because we love the instant reaction shows. It's a ton of interaction. We make it as interactive as possible. And we have real, actual football to break down. And I cannot wait to share the season with you. Levin, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic Thursday. We'll be live tomorrow with Michelle Majuk and her wife, Kate. They're both coming on because Kate runs behind the steel curtain for SB Nation, the Steelers website there. So we'll get the inside dirt on that. And, of course, like I said, instant reaction after the game. Enjoy the day, everybody.